can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. What happened? Oh my God. I'm so puffed out. Um, (laughs) That was Ben and Jerry's delivering all my half-baked. Oh, (laughs) Hannah had an actual panic attack on the phone Oh my God. She was like, oh my God, I've just let someone into the building. I've just let someone in. And I'm like, hang up and go and deal with it. It was just someone from Ben and Jerry's and they were delivering all this. So as you may have remembered, I was like manifesting um, Ben and Jerry's half-baked. Yep. Anyway, they sent me they sent me a message and they've delivered me. Um, That's very generous. Thank you to Ben and Jerry's, our new sponsor. <laughs> hey, unofficial. Ben and Jerry's is like $100. <laughs> like it's actually really expensive. <laughs> I know. I'm not even joking. That's an amazing alignment for you. I know. So um, I'm pretty happy about that. Anyway, hmm. I actually wanted to do a bit of call out. If any of our listeners live in Byron Bay and like want to take me out for like yeah. a night out. Hang out with Hannah. She doesn't have any friends up there. I don't know anyone. <laughs> and so I'm looking for friends. If you have a if you have like a brother that you want to set me up with, <laughs> I would be totally down for that too. <laughs> and I'm having a real, a really tough time choosing clothes because obviously, mm. as I've mentioned on this podcast, as many of you in Victoria would have experienced, ISO weight. So mm. I've got you know, my whole 80% of my wardrobe doesn't fit me. And then I've bought some new clothes. So I'm taking up all the clothes that fit me. And then I've given mum a box of clothes to ship up to me when and if they ever fit me again. So what is on today's episode, Joanna? So on today's episode, we have our favorite and only resident GP, Dr. Lucinda, joining us to talk about PMS. And we are also speaking to another very good friend of ours, Carla Dyson, about beginner's eyeshadow. So that's going to be a really good chat and our products we didn't know we needed. So as we said in our intro, our favorite and only resident GP, Dr. Lucinda, is joining us today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Back. Wait, before we start, any updates on your dating life or should we wait till the end? <laughs> Mate, we can start wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been on any really bad online dates? I don't think anything beats that one dude who had the multiple people in one barbecue setting. Um, I think that's going to be a difficult one to beat, to be honest. I haven't had any terrible ones. Right. No, but I've just, you know, had a a couple of just, you know, normal human being dates. Nice. And I'm, yeah, currently, you know, seeing this one guy. Oh, you're seeing someone. Well, I don't know. I don't even know what dating really is in this generation, guys. Yeah. Like, I constantly have these conversations with people where it's just like, do I bring up a thing where we say, is this a thing? Or are we like, you know, are you seeing anyone else? Or how do I bring this up? But it's like, (laughs) there's whole forums on how to do it in the most cool fashion. (laughs) On like, you know, I've got all these people asking me to go on dates with them. Do I say that no? Or what are you doing? I think that's the best way to do it. When I was 20 and I said to this guy, I was dating and I really, really liked him and I really wanted him to be my boyfriend. So I said to him, I was like, I was at a party and someone was hitting 
cheating on me. What should I do? And he was yeah. like, um, I probably wouldn't do that now, but that was how I used to play games as a 20-year-old. <laughs> right? I think, like, now you could just be like, yo, is this a thing? Or, like, is this a thing? Yep. I've grown up. So today's topic that we are meant to be talking about is PMS. Now, can we start with discussing what actually is, what does PMS stand for? Yeah. So PMS is premenstrual syndrome. So it's something where people have probably heard of the word like PMS and sort of associating it with like, oh my gosh, like I'm a bit moody right now. Essentially, it's related to um, the way in which our hormones change during our menstrual cycle and how we, how sensitive we are to it. Mainly so the progesterone and estrogen hormones are the ones of which they believe that seem to be the problem here. So if we take, for example, day one of our cycle as being when we start having the period, day 14 or halfway through um, is generally when we are ovulating and releasing an egg. And it appears to be that sort of time period up through until we have our period and or when we finish bleeding seems to be the time where we're more sensitive to the hormonal changes. And so, yeah, it can lead to a couple of different symptoms, like a bit of road rage. That's more mama kind of thing. Got road rage 24-7, so. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And then like being a little bit more emotional or just like being a bit like depressed, crying, hangry, mm-hmm. and just having some sort of mild sort of, uh, sort of abdominal symptoms or breast tenderness, those type of things. But it's generally not anything like really too severe, but it affects like quite a few people, it can affect like 30 to 80% of women. I usually get a little bit more like... I don't know what's wrong with me in the week up to my Mm. period. And then I don't realize because I'm on the pill. So then I see my pill packet and I see that I'm like a week out. I'm like, oh, that's why I was feeling like not myself or like I might have overreacted to something or yeah, I don't know. I I notice that it's in that time frame, and then I'm good. Like after that, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> but can things like the pill regulate PMS? Because obviously they're regulating your hormones. Yeah, it's because it stops you from ovulating. That's the theory, and so it can gives you sort of a continuous flow of um, sort of hormonal levels to prevent that fluctuation. So that's mm-hmm. one treatment if it's um, something that's that's really troubling. So I think that's something that you guys mentioned about before. Uh, that's the premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD. Mm-hmm. Now that is a whole other level of symptom severity. So it's a really severe form of PMS. And it's something that's not talked about enough. Yeah. So uh, is that something that you guys have heard about much before? Or? Yeah, yeah. I've heard about it, but I don't really know anything about it in detail. So can you tell us a little bit about like what those symptoms would be compared to PMS? Yeah, sure. So those are the kind of patients I would see coming in saying there's a time in the month where I am, I don't even recognize myself. Like I just want to kill my husband. <laughs> like it is so bad and no one knows what's going on. And some patients can even be misdiagnosed with even things like bipolar disorder it is so severe so it's a condition where it has a dramatic impact on your life so you get really severe depression or anxiety or agitation anger irritability major mood swings and it's not something that is something that you can control in that sense very Mm. easily 
And then obviously from like, like PMS, like physical symptoms as well. So like really bad abdominal pains, bloating, breast tenderness, aches and pains everywhere, trouble sleeping. And it's just a, really has a dramatic effect. And that can affect about five to 10% of women. And how does that even get diagnosed if you've already got, you know, mental health concerns like anxiety or depression? How do you differentiate that from PMDD? Yeah, very, very good question. And so something that is very helpful because you can't actually diagnose PMDD with a blood test because actually the progesterone and estrogen hormones are normal. It's just you're hypersensitive to it. That's the theory behind how this works. So we'll do blood tests to make sure it's nothing else like a thyroid disorder, things like that. And when it comes to mental health, it's a different kind of history. Um, So doing like um, a symptom diary for about two to three months is really, really helpful. And you can easily download those online or there's like those period diaries that you can download Mm -hmm. as an app if that's easier for you as well. And then you can go through that with your GP or gyno, anything like that. And they should be able to help you diagnose because it's normally something that would occur for like up to two weeks of the month. Some patients are really, really unlucky and they can just experience it all the time. And that's obviously a little Mm. bit trickier to to diagnose there, but that's really rare. So it's more so like certain times of the month, there is a pattern to it. Mm. And how do you treat something like that if it's period related? Because like, can you go on anti-anxiety medication or anything like that? Yeah, totally. There's sort of three main kind of treatments um, from a medication point of view, alongside, as you can imagine, like psychological therapy or help from a mental health professional, that's really important. Mm-hmm. So being on the pill is really good idea because like we said earlier, it can regulate your hormonal levels to try and hopefully help stop that ovulation and stop the fluctuation in your hormones. Then also vitamin B6. So that's some uh, evidence for that. And it seems like studies are showing that 100 milligrams per day seems to be the treatment. And then lastly, um, like you're mentioning about anti-anxiety or antidepressants like SSRIs. And the thing is with those treatments because people get really freaked out when you start mentioning antidepressants because there's a big stigma towards it where they they really really shouldn't be like just touching on that aspect in total with using antidepressants it's a matter of we need to start seeing it as any other kind of physical condition where if you can imagine if you've got a lack in a certain vitamin or if you've got you know or like for example insulin and diabetes you need to replace that and that's what antidepressants do they help replace say for example the serotonin levels that you're lacking so people shouldn't sort of stigmatize it too much like I'm weak I need this or I've got something seriously wrong with me So for example, with um, PMDD, so you can use it continuous antidepressants, or you can even use it just in like day 14 to your period time. So from ovulation to period, so it can be cyclical or yeah, so it doesn't have to be continuous. That helps people feel a bit better about it. So yeah, so those are like the main medication kind of things that we tend to use. I don't think that I've ever experienced PMS, but I don't, do you think that PMS if you get other, so I don't get cramps, I don't get any other symptoms. Amazing. Hannah's period just surprises her out of nowhere. Yeah, it just surprises me out of nowhere. And I, I have can't no, handle but this. But 
But what I would say was that when I was younger, like the only time that I've ever felt my hormones affect my mood was when I was a teenager because I was an angry <laughs> asshole teenager. Oh my god! I was the worst. Like my parents just like couldn't even handle me. Once I grew out of my teenage years, I never experienced like moods, mood swings. Like you kind of made up for it. Afterwards. <laughs> I totally. Yeah, I think my moods just. <laughs> On that note, actually, because I think you're often told as, and I used to hate this when men would say this to me in like past relationships, like, oh, you must be getting your period because, you know, you you crack the shits over something or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just and like, like, I'm nowhere near. <laughs> yeah, but it's also just invalidating your like emotions around that time. Like there shouldn't be anything wrong with feeling that way. It puts like a shame on you for your own hormones, like playing tricks on you, I guess, which is just like a really bad way of feeling about it. It's so, so true. And everyone will take those comments differently as well, mm. isn't it? Because you can be feeling like really emotional and you're actually nowhere near. I'm a little bit worried that I'm not normal. Like what's wrong with me? Like why don't I? No, you don't want to go there. You don't want to start. Yeah. Like I'll Get start crying lucky. at random stuff, man. Like I saw a dead pigeon and I just started crying for it. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, I've got an issue right now, but it's okay. I will embrace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess there's other things like um, other natural methods of treating things. Like I know on a different episode when we were talking about our bowels and periods and stuff, mm. um, like people can have a look at that episode again because that's something that's quite common where you can adjust your diet if you're getting those kind of PMS symptoms, like avoiding triggering foods like caffeine, sugar and spicy stuff or increasing your water intake and improving your sleep and like reducing stress levels. But also things like you always see those uh, PMS medications, like the horrible ones, like infinite oh, yeah. primrose oil, like that stuff. We've done studies for it and they've showed that it's not technically, you know, more effective than a placebo. You know, mm. if you're going to go and experiment into any of those horrible medications, what I would totally recommend is having a chat with a chemist, make sure that you're not on any sort of medications that will interact with that, or obviously your GP as well, make sure that you're fit and healthy for it. But I think main thing here is that if you are feeling that you're getting any serious symptoms that are affecting you um, or the way in which other people are reacting to you at that time, please just make sure you go and see your doctor because like there is treatment out there and no one should need to suffer. Like that is really vital. And, you know, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really important point because we've had a conversation mm. before about endometriosis as well. And a lot of women go through their period every single month thinking that their symptoms are normal when actually they're not entirely normal and there is yeah. something that could be underlying or something that you can do about it to make your periods an easier time of the month. So that's a really good point that you make there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us Pleasure. for yet another chat. I'm sure we'll have you back again soon. Yeah, uh, But it's great. always fun to chat to you. Hopefully next time Same. you join us, you've got like a, a boyfriend announcement or something. For oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so scared, guys. <laughs> I, I won't jinx it. <laughs> ah, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Uh, thanks, Dr. Lucinda. All right. <laughs> thanks, guys. Take care and have a great day.
So I said in the intro that we were going to be joined today by a very good friend of ours. I was probably overselling it a little bit, Carla, because we've probably only met a handful of times in person. But <laughs> I feel like we're friends. Yeah. We are friends. I know every time we leave, like seeing you, we're like, oh, we're like, how good's Carla? Oh, yeah. sweet. <laughs> Just want to be besties with Carla. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're joined by makeup artist Carla Dyson today. You've probably found her on Instagram. She's an absolute wizard when it comes to makeup. So we thought that this would be a great chance for us to chat to you about beginner's eyeshadow. So let's start off with what do beginners actually need to know about eyeshadow? Well, I think the first thing I would say is that it's not as daunting as you might think. So I think a lot of people get so freaked out by eyeshadow and think, I have no idea where to start. I even meet models, you know, they get the makeup done every day professionally. And I always think they must know what they're doing. You know, they must pick things up along the way. Um, but people get so scared of it and just think, oh no, there's just it's just not something I would ever do. I think it's all about having the right products and tools because they make your life so much easier. Mm, No, I fully agree with that because friends of mine have said, no, I could never do eyeshadow myself. Every time I do it, it looks like I've, you know, got a bruised eye or something, but it really does make a difference when you've got a good eyeshadow yeah. palette and a good brush. and a brush. good brush, that's it. And like trying to blend with the wrong brush if you don't know what you're doing, it's just, it's. I mm. wouldn't even be able to do it with 12 years experience. So there's no way someone that's just starting out could do it. So you definitely need the yeah. right products and the right tools as a fit, like as a start. So I think the first thing to determine is your eye shape because if you see something that you love on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, however you find your inspiration or a celebrity even, you might look at them and be like, oh my God, I want to try this. But your eye shape's completely different to that person. So then you kind of need to seek inspiration from people that either have a similar look to you or similar eye shape, eye colour. So yeah, it's it's quite overwhelming. There's quite a lot, (laughs) but just start practicing and determine your own eye shape and sort of work from there. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one thing. Yeah, yeah. Give it a crack is a good place to start. Give it a crack. (laughs) You did do that tutorial of your wedding makeup, and it was like the Mm. the sped up IGTV. I think I've watched that not to sound stalkerish. I've probably watched it thirty times, (laughs) and I'm like, but how does she do it? Like, I still can't get my head around it I just like it was the best makeup I've ever oh, seen thanks it's, it's a good job I wore it on my wedding day right yeah, it really was stunning <laughs> like you did your own makeup on your wedding day it looked phenomenal oh, anyway that was a bit off topic because the next question is do we really need to use an eye primer before eyeshadow and what does it actually do yes so I think a hundred percent yes so it's almost like doing a blush without foundation So it would be patchy and hard to blend. So 100% you need an eye primer. The only time I would not use a primer is, for instance, if you're just going to work or something. Like you don't have to be that extra every day. Definitely if you're working on Zoom or something, there's no need. Um, But if you're, you know, you've got a wedding or you've got an event or just anything really, you want it to be lasting. And there's so many reasons which I'll go through why you need to be priming your eyes. It's basically the prep of the eye area. So if you just go straight on, to a naked eyelid you might have really oily eyelids which you wouldn't really know about so you're going to get creasing and smudging and it's just a it's a mess if you don't prep the eye area properly it also absorbs the oil so if you do have a lot of oil throughout the day it will absorb that and stop it from creasing which is the number one thing it also intensifies your eyeshadow so if you're not using one, like I say, and you, you might think, oh, this eyeshadow is rubbish. It doesn't have any color payoff. But if you put a good primer on underneath, 
it grabs the product and intensifies it and it keeps it there all day. So it's just a no-brainer for me. I just feel like priming the eye is like priming the skin and you can't not do that. Until I discovered an eye primer, I thought every eyeshadow was yeah, so I was like, why it. isn't it all lasting? Exactly. Life? And the other yeah. thing is, like, you can even get coloured ones, you know, um, yeah. like paint pots from MAC. Yeah. You can get those and they come in a massive range of colours and mm-hmm. it's, it kills two birds with one stone. You don't need to do that that, and then loads of eyeshadow. You can just yeah. literally put that one coloured product on. And when it comes to powder shadows, which kind of brushes should everyone have, in your opinion? Well, I, I love fluffy brushes and I can't look mm-hmm. past MAC 217. So it's just, yes. I've got about 50 of them in my kit yeah. um, and in my personal collection as well. But they are the ultimate blending brush and there's obviously there's other options there's like crown brushes do sort of a I don't know what that one's called I think it's pro blend or something it's just a fluffy white brush basically and I just think without that like I say tools again without that you you simply can't blend an eyeshadow like it's so fluffy and it's dense enough to do the job and sort of for the placement to be right it doesn't go everywhere it's not like you're using a powder brush on your eyes but it's just yeah it's just enough to get that sort of seamless application I also think a bullet brush or a pencil brush, there's different names for it, that is like a smaller, denser version of the fluffier brush, um, like a 217. Um, So that is perfect for under the eye. I think it's always important to sort of mirror what you've done on the top lid. A lot of people that are so scared of doing eyeshadow sort of leave underneath the eye and I think it looks so top heavy like it's it's daunting it is because obviously you might have dark circles under the eye so you think oh my god I don't want to do a dark smokiness underneath the eye because it's going to make my dark circles look worse and it were as long as you've covered your dark circles then you've got a blank canvas and you do need to sort of mirror what you've done on the top otherwise Mm -hmm. yeah it's going to look so top heavy and if you're not having any luck with powder shadows and finding it too tricky to master can cream or liquid eyeshadows be a better option and have you got any faves yeah so i absolutely love cream shadows like i actually use a cream shadow on most clients I think they blend seamlessly. I actually found them really easy to do for a beginner. So I would advise cream shadows. Um, you can literally put it on with your finger and then just buff out the mm, edges. Mm. Oh, I've got so many favourites. Um, I know that there's Armani. I've got some of those in my kit. And also I do love to even just wetting your brush with, a, you know, like a firmer, more defining sort of brush. You can apply any kind of eyeshadow. So if it is a powder eyeshadow, you can just dampen your brush and then kind of create your own cream which I absolutely love to do. Mm. Um, and there's also products on the market. I think it's Makeup Forever Aquaseal, is it? Yes. Aquaseal. Yep. Yeah, so mm. that you can actually drop into powders as well or pigments yeah. and just make them really intense. And it does stop fallout. So it's so much better for people that are afraid of having all that fallout underneath their eyes. It's just so much easier. I mean, I'm a massive fan of cream shadows, so I would definitely say yes for that one. And let's say that you're on the go and you've accidentally left an eyeshadow palette out of your makeup bag or you've gone on holidays or something, you want to wear an eyeshadow, what other products can double as eyeshadow? Oh, I'm a massive fan of this. So I use a bronzer pretty much every day on my eyes. Mm. So I think that it's nice to create that monochromatic kind of look. So if I've got that same bronze on my skin, then I I mean, I've, I've been known to just sort of squish my powder brush if, I'm, if I've <laughs> chucked it in the car and I've only got one brush with me and I'm yeah. like, what am I going to do? I'll just, yeah, like sort of squish it so that it's a little bit more eye-shaped <laughs> and then brush it over my eyelid 
with whatever's left on there. Um, but obviously, I don't really advise that. But it's it's there as an option if you're desperate. I just think, yeah, bronzer, 100%. You can either have matte ones and just dust it over the eye. And you can even just put it into the eye socket if you just want to add a little bit of dimension. And also blush. Blush is a good one to mm. add the slightest bit of colour. So I think a lot of people get a bit scared of using colour. So yeah, just using the same blush colour as you've used on your cheeks. And if it's got a bit of shimmer in it, it'll look amazing on the lid. And it just makes the eyes pop. So it might just be that if you've got hazel eyes, so a little bit of green in there, you can use like a peachy pinky tone and just wash that over the top and it'll immediately make your eyes pop. Hannah loves a, a pink tone for her eyes. Oh, I love it. I do. So <laughs> Although good. now that we're out of lockdown, I've stopped doing it because I'm like, well, now I have to go in public. So now I just want to look pretty. <laughs> so, but now I'm like, well, I can't go on a first date yeah. wearing like a neon pink. I and uh, you know yeah gotta... it was fun while we was in ISO though it got us through the last totally. eight months <laughs> agree with that now this one might be a bit controversial but eyes before base or base before eyes okay personally I like base first and that is a bit controversial because a lot of makeup artists actually do the opposite the reason why I like to do base first is because people have a lot of different colours in the skin and undertones and that even as a makeup artist can actually throw off your colour choices when you're going to do the eye makeup so if someone's got a lot of redness in the skin you typically wouldn't go for like a pink eye shadow or anything like that because you'd feel like it was just going to make them look too pink overall but obviously if they're not pink on their body and you then sort of counteract all that redness that was naturally in the skin you've then got a blank canvas to work on and I just think that that's so much easier. I can already put the blush on and, you know, powder the T-zone and everything so you can sort of see what you're working with. And then, yeah, you've got a, a broader choice of colours that you can work with to actually work with their skin tone or eye colour, hair colour, whatever it might be. Whereas if you've got a lot of redness and even blemished skin and stuff, like it's quite hard to look past that if you've got a lot of redness and blemishes and then you're trying to think what eyeshadow would look good. I think it's definitely better to work with, well, personally, I think it's better to work with a blank canvas first. Mm, I think that's how we all learnt to do our makeup. So it's really hard to reverse that on yourself yeah. and be like, no, I'm going to start with my eyes because I've tried yeah. to do that. And I'm like, it just looks weird. And then I can't look at myself as I'm doing my foundation. That's it. It's it's almost like you you don't know how to intense to go either because yeah, you're like, exactly. I look like I've been punched in the face. But once yeah. you put your bronzer and your contour and everything else on, it all falls into place. So personally, I would rather do that. Now, one of our creators, Desi Boyd, did a tutorial on IGTV for us recently and he used that MAC um, pigment. I think it's called Black Brown. And one of our team members, Al, raved about it to me before hand like I she couldn't have spoken highly enough of it and I was tempted to buy it but when I saw him use it I was like I feel like I need to add that to my cart as soon as possible can you explain how to use pigment or glitter and what's the best way that people can be applying it what's the easiest way for beginners to use products like that that are are loose products yeah Okay, so um, again, probably one of the most daunting things to do with eyeshadow, so glitter or pigment, because they just look like they're going to go everywhere. Um, Mm. So first thing is primer. Keep your eyes closed when you apply it, and whilst it sort of dries and goes tacky, if you open your eye, it's probably going to crease, and then whatever product you put on it is going to crease. So keep your eyes Mm -hmm. closed. And then basically you need a flat, firm brush, so it's quite dense, nothing fluffy. If you go fluffy, Mm -hmm. it's going to end up 
everywhere, all over the face, yeah. <laughs> all over everything around you. All over your entire house. You're going to have to burn it down. <laughs> you literally, glitter never leaves. So it will be yeah. all over everything you earn for the rest of your life. So just a firm flat brush and just tap off the excess. That's really important. So make sure it goes somewhere else and just basically tap it onto the eye area. You can even do it with a finger if that's if you're more comfortable with that or you don't have a lot of tools at home and also if you're really scared of it and you've already done the base for instance you do not want to do glitter on top of a a freshly amazing base put a tissue so fold a tissue over and put it right under your bottom lash line and then Mm -hmm. you can press it on and and you know you can have as much fallout as you want because the tissue is going to catch it all anyway so and if you could only use one palette or one single eye shadow on clients for the rest of your life, what would it be? This is so hard. I think this is the hardest question ever. <laughs> I expected three products, but just one is a, is a really tough one. Um, I think, I, I know we talked about them a lot, but I actually would have to say possibly pigment because... I feel like I'll talk about two colours because you've asked me for one product. I've got to tell you two (laughs) colours. So the MAC pigments that I'm absolutely obsessed with is tan, which I think just is the most amazing bronzy eye look on anyone. And it just makes you feel all summery and glowy. Searching this right now because I want to add it to my cart. Anything that Carla says to buy eyeshadow-wise, I'll buy it. Um, And the other one is vanilla. So that is also a MAC one. That is what I use on pretty much every client on the inner corner of the eye. So sometimes like you want just that little pop of color. As I said before, like obviously if you've got wide set eyes, you probably wouldn't want to do that. But for most eye shapes, it's quite flattering to put um, a little bit of highlight on the inner corner. I just love it. I just think it's got that, it's a perfect amount of like, it's neutral, but it's got a little bit of goldy to it and it just catches the light for photo shoots. I mean, other than that, I think it would be a cream product, but that's definitely more than one. <laughs> you can do one more. Go on, one more. I feel like, I feel like a creamy eye base would be nice. So like a, a shimmery eye pot of some sort, like even Charlotte Tilbury's Eyes to Mesmerize, oh, you know, like they just, yeah. they catch the light so perfectly. Absolutely love them. And I just, uh, it's just one of those things. I just, I don't think I ever get through a makeup without doing some sort of creamy product. I do want to say as well, I feel like there's no real rules when it comes to makeup, even though we do teach certain things and we sort of give you guidelines. I think like realistically, there aren't any rules. You can just practice and just see what works because people often say to me, how can you put a cream blush over the top of foundation that you've already powdered? Or how do you put a cream eyeshadow over the top of powdered eyeshadow? And I'm like, Mm. well, you just can if you if you know what you're doing and you've practiced enough and like you said before it's just the tiniest bit on a fluffy brush or on the tip of your finger and just sort of pressing it on top just to add a little bit of dimension when the light hits your face that's all it is and yeah I think people just saying that there's there's rules sometimes freaks people out so just have a play and see what works for your eye shape well if you want to stalk Carla which I'm sure everybody listening to this will want to do after this interview you can find her on Instagram it's Carla Dyson Makeup. I'm just going to go and watch your wedding video one more time and I'll pop that link in the episode notes. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Product we didn't know we needed, Hannah. You actually started telling me your product you didn't know, know you needed while we were recording and I was like, save it for the recording.
Yeah, so I before I started at Adore Beauty, I'd heard about marula oil because there's some other brands that do marula oil, but it's actually quite pricey. So I have found an affordable, it's 100% cold-pressed marula oil. It's by The Ordinary. And what I really love about this oil is it's really light. It's not mm. like one of those thick oils it's like it you know the oils that just completely like completely absorb into the skin like really quickly this is one of those my only thing with facial oils is that I because I because I layer so many serums I do find that if I put a facial oil over the top it does peel yes so I have a little tip for that. So what I do is I do my moisturizer. I put like a few drops into my moisturizer and then I put that onto my face, like mix it and put it onto my face. I taught you that. (laughs) Did you? Yes. Oh, my God. I thought that I use facial oil. Ah, so Joanna, Joanna's going to take credit for that little tip. Fair enough. I will. But also if you don't want to do that as well, just change the way that you're, because I find a lot of people rub an oil in. Try putting it in the palms of your hands and then use it, pressing it in together and then pressing it onto the skin as opposed to rubbing it. And don't be tempted once you've pressed it in to then rub because that will, it will peel. I love rubbing a moisturizer in. So that's, I, I've done that pressing thing and I don't like it. It's not, yeah. it's not how I like to do my skincare. If you don't like the feeling of oil on your skin, like that dry oil feeling, then I would definitely recommend mixing it in with your moisturizer because you don't get that feeling and that film on the skin afterwards. And it's just like rubbing your moisturizer in. The other thing that I really like about this is that I find sometimes like oils, they add like essential oils. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really like too much fragrance. Mm. So this has got no smell, no fragrance. So And also with your impaired barrier, you wouldn't want to be putting essential oils no, on. No, anyway. exactly, exactly. Mm. I've been really naughty though. I think I'm re impairing my barrier by oh, using that no. midnight recovery serum. Oh, Hannah. <laughs> you've come such a long way. <laughs> I loved it so much that I put it on two nights in a row mm, and I was course like, you oh, did. <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> One of my favourite things about you is how reckless you are. (laughs) Anyway, it is a really nice, light, affordable facial oil and Mm. I'm loving, particularly with like my 30 plus skin at night, I need that extra like hydration. Yeah. That's mine. What's yours? So I said to you before we started recording, I was like, have I done lean screen yet? And you're like, no, you haven't actually. So I wanted to do ultraviolet's lean screen, even though we talk about ultraviolet way too much, but um, I started using lean screen. I wanted to use it for a few weeks before I actually properly reviewed it and decided whether I liked it or not. Cause I think sunscreen, you just got to try it a few different ways. You got to try a few different things underneath it. You've got to see how you go with the protective factor. And as someone, as we know with rosacea, mm. this formula is better for sensitive skin types and and often more suitable for acne prone skin types as well. So it's good for combo and oily skin or anyone with yeah sensitivities like even eczema prone it's good for. So this is a physical or mineral formula. So there's no um, chemical sunscreen filters in here. It's just a zinc formula. And it says it's mattifying, but to be honest with you, I don't think it is. I don't think it's mattifying because I have normal to dry skin and I find that it gives me a beautiful finish without looking dry or powdery, which is what I associate with mattifying. So I think if you've got normal to dry skin and you're worried that it'll be a bit too like it'll flatten, you know, the dimensions of your face, you know, when you use a really matte product and it just like wipes out all 
dimension and glow in your skin. Mm -hmm. That's what I was worried it would do, but it didn't do that. And it really glides on beautifully for a thicker formula with any physical sunscreen. You need to expect it to be a bit thicker than a chemical sunscreen. It's just the way they've got to be formulated. But the thing that I really want to point out here is how hard it is to formulate a sunscreen in Australia and for ultraviolet to be able to produce a sunscreen that is an SPF 50 plus and a physical formula that actually feels nice on the skin, that's like almost impossible. Like I need to just drive home how hard that is to produce. And I did in the early days of using it have a couple of days where I peeled a little bit, but that was because of the products I'd used underneath it. So if you've bought lean screen and you're finding that you're getting a little bit of peeling, just change up what you're using underneath it and see if that kind of eliminates that problem. I also decided to put a moisturizer on underneath and that seemed to completely eradicate any issues with peeling, but it'll always come down to what you've got underneath it. I think that's the case with any sunscreen. So there you go. That's mine. Mm, That's a good one. Oh, you know how we went out for dinner the other night and I told you that I keep having dreams that I join a dating app. Oh yeah. What's that about? I don't know. Can someone, if anyone is like a dream interpreter, can you please contact me on Instagram because I want to talk to you. So you keep dreaming that you're on dating. Are you? Have you got like a serious fear about dating apps? I think I do. I think I honestly think I do. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are you too good for dating apps? <laughs> Look, I just feel like I don't <gasps> want it. I don't want to open a can of worms. That's where but- that's my mindset about it because I've seen. So another reason that I haven't joined is because I've been watching Clementine Ford's stories and she just posts like horror stories of dating apps. And I just don't want to even get into that. And also I've seen you have your fair share of experiences with dating apps as well. Like as soon as I get to Byron, I'll be back on the dating apps for sure. Yeah, I am going to be all over it. You know what my plan was though? If I buy a house that's a bit run down, I just need to get on the dating apps and just select tradies. And then I can eventually just fully renovate a house via dating apps. Um, I love that. Do we think there's something in that? <laughs> could that be a reality TV show? <laughs> I feel like that could be like the block bachelorette. Yes. Oh, my God. Let's pitch that. Like worlds align. Yeah. Let's pitch that to either Channel 9 or Channel 10. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Where you date tradies who then help you renovate your house. Yes. Yeah, and then at the end I pick one. Yeah, I love that for you. You choose and then he moves in. Yes. Oh my god, this is such a good nobody steal that. If you're listening to this, Don't that's steal our it. idea. This is our we're telling you now it's patented. But I was gonna say to the audience, if you have a really like just like our Byron Bay audience, if you've got a cute brother or friend mm. for me, but if you have someone in Melbourne, <laughs> Joe is single and ready to mingle and is refusing to go on dating apps. So I don't know yeah. how well she's going to meet someone because neither do no I. One, I've just resigned to the fact that I won't. <laughs> but no one meets IRL, Joe. So you're going to have to rally the troops and get someone to set I you know. up. And it's amazing how much things change in just a matter of years. Like I was in a long-term relationship and to come out of that and be like, oh my God, no one speaks to you in public anymore. <laughs> this is weird. Would you do a paid partnership with Bumble? Because I don't know if you saw mm. um, Frooms. She's got a really funny Instagram account. She did, did that live date with Bumble. Would you do a paid partnership with Bumble or is that? Yeah, no, I'd consider that. Bumble, she, she'll go on Bumble if you pay her to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pay me though. I'll do yeah. it for free. <laughs> She's already on there for free. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us today. 
Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Thank you.